This piece of machinery can shoot uh, munitions over 14 miles accurately. The only problem is, does anyone have any 1989 Play lids? Because we need them. It's the only fuel we can use. It was designed by Greg Yoplay. <laughs> Fucking military. $35 billion and we have to run it on Play lids. God damn it. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Ah. Uh, hi. And Ryan. <laughs> Bud Light Seltzer. <laughs> Bud Light Seltzer, dude. We're getting old. Po- no, no, Publix that, Bogo. Publix Bogo. In my uh, I got, you know what I got, Publix Bogo? Uh, Goose Island Next Coast IPA. Oh, that's really good stuff, too. I almost bought, like, four more things of it because it was just it's such a good beer seven percent so it's like a beer bros beer but the abv you just can't beat it you know it's really good that's the one that the the can is like almost luminescent yeah it's like silver yeah it's like silver with like the silver pearl yeah it's a pearlescent i guess (laughs) that's a good beer man (laughs) i ended up going with the oktoberfest that they had since it's the the reason for the season yeah (laughs) i figured i was i actually was I was I know I was originally gonna white girl it, but I um I put it back. I figured it was August and the next coast was Bogo, so I was like, I'll get the next coast. I was gifted a case of Sam Adams Oktoberfest, so fan- fantastic. That stuff is yeah. Delicious. The more you drink it, the more pumpkin egg. You know, you throw a little pumpkin spice in that beer. Mm. Mm. Don't do mm. that. I don't know what that'll do. Are you like the <laughs> man that adds salt into their beer? You know what? I recently got introduced to uh, speaking of salt. Is salting your watermelon. I've heard of this. I've never tried it. Okay, so I've never tried it before either, and my wife was like, you never salted watermelon? I was like, no. She's like, I guess it's a southern thing. and So I did it, and it is sick, dude. So good. And on top of that, it actually has science behind it. It, like, draws out the sweetness of the melon, even though it's salt. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, that's why you put, like, a little bit of salt on, like, a cookie – like yeah. a chocolate chip cookie, for instance, and it and will just like your, yeah, your Twitter it'll get posts, real different, a little salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we talking about? Salt? <laughs> uh, I think in, we're going to talk way, about being salty. Well, in, in a in a way, <laughs> though, it is unrelated to the salt treaties. Um, to, we're we're going to start talking about um, the Iran Contra uh, fiasco. Uh, tobacco, uh, the, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the nuclear codes are up, up, down, down, left, right. <laughs> B.A. start. Now, now, Nancy needs the extra lives to get through the level, but... <laughs> well, actually, they're for me, Ronnie. Nancy gets through with just the single-shot weapon. The whole, whole level just destroys... Should I just make the contra music the intro to this episode? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm so sure we'll some we can like that. Yeah. Some, some rights free version. I'll of find it. like a trombone version of it and just put it up there. Some someone playing it on a recorder. <laughs> just the shrewd the shrewd, <laughs> shrewd version. Yeah. Oh my god. Alright then. 
so I'm the Iran so excited counter. because the uh, it, what's funny is the other day I was talking to some people and I was trying to explain um, Iran Contra, but I'm not smart enough to. Like I understand how it happened and kind of like what went down, but I don't understand the intricacies. You're smart enough to. You just well, are not knowledgeable enough about it. The the reason the reason why it's kind of hard to explain is because Ron Contra is really stupid. Yeah. Like the logic behind <laughs> it, the reasons for why they did it, even from like a conservative standpoint, is ridiculous. Like it is it was done for levels that or, or reasons that even seem at, at that time seem ridiculous and seem even more ridiculous today. I can't wait and, for and this. It, <laughs> and and it's even it's even weirder too. Because you have all of these uh, conservatives that worship Ronald Reagan who want to, like, turn Iran into, like, a parking lot and think, like, Barack Obama should be, like, hung from a lamppost because he gave, like, he gave Iran back their money that the United States had, like, seized from them Mm -hmm. in, like, 1980 Mm -hmm. or 1981, actually. Um, So Ronald Reagan does, does a lot for Iran. And he does it for most of his like um, most of his tenure as president throughout all eight years, and a lot of uh, what happens in Iran Contra begins to like sort of come up in the mid '80s, and then it doesn't really come to a head until the late '80s, early '90s. Okay. And, and in order to get there, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about both Iran and Nicaragua, who are the major players in here. And, and even to make things even more interesting, when we talk about Iran, Israel is a big part of the weapon sales to Iran. Oh, my God. I, th- okay, this huh. is exactly why there was no way I was going to try to explain this. <laughs> Israel? Uh, yes. Uh, as we talked about um the United States was a big ally of, of Iran before the Islamic Revolution. You know, the Shah was an American-backed dictator, and the Iranian military was given a lot of American arms. They were given sort of like a, a deal similar to what Israel has today, where they get first dibs on technology. Mm. Like, there, there are different tiers of, like, countries that can buy weapons from the United States, and, and Israel... Is, is sort of up there and being able to get like most everything they want. <laughs> so Israel um, is and, like S tier. They can get nukes. And, yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> and and <laughs> just... Iran, w- Iran was very much the same way. Um, so all of Iran's military before and after the Islamic Revolution is from the United States. Okay. Um, and not surprising. And Israel and. Iran was also whoa, 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 a big ally of Israel. That. What do you mean their their military is from the United States? You mean their their military like technology, like hardware, hardware. hardware. All of their equipment. all of their equipment and hardware is American military. Okay, I, they're not they're not making it domestically. Got it. Okay, got it. And and after the after the revolution happens, um, the Iranian government they freeze relations with Israel. Um, and, and also sort of begin to become openly hostile to Israel. Hmm. Um, uh, relations as well between Iran and Iraq um, begin to, to sort of decline um, and eventually deteriorate um, because um, Iran wants to sort of take its Islamic revolution into Iraq, which is predominantly Shiite. Right, which is and, part of the problem over there so- today. Yeah, and Saddam is not a fan of this because Saddam uh, Saddam is a was a Sunni, 
Um, he was a Sunni. Um, he was part of this Ba'athist party, which is sort of this secular, um, almost like fascist political party um, that wants to sort of have a, a Sunni um, dominance in the government. Can you directly, um, I guess you could say, can you directly correlate Sunni and Shiite with like Democrat Republican or no? It's more like Protestant and Catholic. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. It's 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 very much that that it, it's all just sort of this this battle between these different branches of Islam over who is the proper successor to the Prophet Muhammad and who who was and who was not like a legit caliphate. Yeah. Or a caliph. I think okay. it's either okay. it, it was like a difference it's either the bloodline or the appointed successor, right? And it's the, it, that's the main it, argument. Yes, it has to go through um so, sort of like the marriage of, of Fatima, uh Muhammad's daughter to her husband if that was the succession right. of Muhammad's rule or if it was Muhammad's chosen successor. Got it. Um, the Sunnis obviously believe, you know, that anyone who is related in, in any fashion to Muhammad can be uh, a caliph. Because there was a caliph, as, as we've talked about before, up until, you know, the collapse of the Ottoman Empire. Um, Shiites, though, they believe that the last caliph who was, um, who was killed, um, that he wasn't actually killed that he ascended to, to heaven or went into what's called um, occultation, um, which is where he is he is sort of hidden, and he'll one day return um, for, like, the end of the world. Um, it, the, uh, uh, it, it sort of differs um, from Shiite sect to Shiite sect of how, how they believe that Ali um, would, be, um, would be the successor. Um, but they, they believe that, you know, that he's going to come back. Okay. Yeah. And, and we, we talked about this before. It's, it's very complicated. And a lot of it is, is somewhat vague, um, because, um, it is not, um, it, it's not one of those things that's written by Muhammad. And it's a lot of like interpretation based on this guy, um, Hussein, the son of Ali, um, him, him being, um, him being either the legitimate caliph or if that he was just an imam. Right. Which is just basically so. a religious like guide, more or less. Yes, we could we could do a whole a whole podcast on um just Islam in on, general. On sort of like yeah, just on like the history of Islam. But but just know it's very similar to like the Protestant Catholic divide, um, in that these two groups um sort of differ and, and sort of schismed back um, over a thousand years ago, and, and they still don't have like they're they're still at each other uh, over it. Yeah, okay. it's it's actually not something that can be solved really because the it's so ideologically opposed that uh, it yeah it there's not really a good solution to it or anything like that. Yeah, it can't be. It, it would be like asking like a, like a like a Baptist minister to respect the authority of the Pope, right? Exactly. Holy shit! Okay, it's a good okay. analogy. Like it's it's that level of like clashing. Okay. Yeah. And so while tensions are sort of rising um, with Iran and Iraq, um, Iran is sort sort of uh, destabilizing um, neighboring countries and is sort of trying to become like like a, a regional hegemon. It's trying to take control of sort of the the area. 
Um, Saddam doesn't like this because Saddam, as as being part of a, a pan-Arab uh, movement, he sort of feels like that he should be, you know, the hegemon of the region. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of the, the these sort of um, things going on, um, and Iran also has a large region um, in it that is majority Arab and also Sunni, um, called Khuzestan. Um, he wants to eventually like take that. He wants to take this province and he wants to bring it into Iraq. Um, and it also has um, oil in it as well. Okay, so that's why he wants to take it. Is yeah. Way to bury the lead there. <laughs> this province well, has a lot of oil. Not, he wanted the oil. We want to take it. Well it's, well, it's not just oil. It's also like a nationalism thing. That that Persia and, and sort of the 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 countries that would that existed in the area where Iraq is, um, you know, they've always been at odds with each other. Is this like like the the uh, dispute with Turkey and like the northern tip of Iraq a while back? Well, that that has more to do with like Kurds. My favorite, that, my favorite he, oil thing is uh, is when we were in Iraq in the early 2000s, and it was called Operation Iraqi Freedom. But free, uh, free in that oil, baby. But there was Woo! an anti-flag song <laughs> called Operation Iraqi Liberation, which is has the acronym OIL. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> How much did that play into their decision? By the way, like Saddam's decision, was it oil based or was it just more like it, it was based? a lot? It was just sort of getting his legitimacy um, because Saddam liked to sort of um, depict himself as being like this sort of like king, you know, like there's always oh, yeah. the pictures of him he did that dressed forever. up in traditional garb with his yeah, golden and, and, and yeah, and he's he's mostly just calling back to sort of like those medieval and and sort of earlier sort of rivalries between what is today Iraq and what is today Iran, um, previously Persia. And, it w- and, and he's sort of saying, you know, like for a nationalist standpoint, that he's going to take back these regions that are rightfully Iraq's. Um, because, like, Kuwait is the same way in that Kuwait had been a part of um, the province of Iraq under the Ottoman Empire, um, but the local leaders in Kuwait had sort of, like, made their own sort of uh, system and country and had had Great Britain back them for independence. Hmm. And Iraq never um, really liked is, that, did they? Yeah, so that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, they eventually that's um, why they invaded, invaded Kuwait. Yeah, okay. And you get yes. Operation Desert Storm. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all just sort of like age-old nationalism, um, resources, um, the religious angle, all of these things. Because um, you have to remember, too, Iranians are not Arabs, they're they're Persians, right? Uh, predominantly, right. Um, so in 1980, they both sort of begin um, preparing for this this war that's going to happen, and and Saddam knows that you know because Iran's in in turmoil from the revolution, you know that that he has a good chance of winning. He's doing this kind of almost like an opportunist bent, right? I mean, well, yes, yeah, so it's very opportunist. He he sees. He, he sees an opportunity that opens in the chaos, and he he seeks to, to take it. The power vacuum. Yeah, um, and and the first uh, Iranian prime minister, uh, Mehdi um, Bazargan. Meta world peace. Uh, yeah, meta world peace. <laughs> he 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 reaches out. To he the was Carter a good leader until he started just punching other leaders in the face. <laughs> <laughs> The UN kept calling fouls he didn't like. <laughs> he even got ejected. Once. Poor Ron. 
Oh man. He he reaches out. This is before the hostages are taken. Um, he he reaches out to the Carter administration um, to consolidate um, military aid. You know, to, to continue the military sales to Iran um, because all of the equipment they have it needs parts from the United States in order to keep working. That's the rub. You See, know? we knew what we were doing. Yo, we were going for the long. Well, went in there and be like, "Hey, use this. It's the U.S. model of the AK-47. It's the U.S. 47." Oh my god. <laughs> the only place they make the parts no. for this is in Wall, Pennsylvania. No. It's in a the secret AK fifty. Come on. <laughs> the AK forty eight. It's the AK fifty. It's the AK forty eight. They always they only make it in Bullmore, Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna come up with like a weird like town name just out of nowhere. Everyone thinks it's a run down railway town that's no longer in use, but they make the AK fifty there. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Stamp but probably made the USA on the fucking bolt. These fucking guns are useless. <laughs> God damn it! Because a, a lot of people don't realize this about like uh, tanks and, and all these military vehicles is they can't really operate on their own for a long time. Like the operational range of of most tanks in World War II was like several miles. So you you have to have to constantly tune them up. You have to constantly replace parts. It, it's not like an automobile. Um, mm. There was a kid I went to high school with who ended up dr- driving fucking tanks in Afghanistan. And this was like post 9-11. He had joined up. And I just remember like hearing that he was over there driving tanks and it just fucking, it killed me. It absolutely fucking blew my fucking mind because this kid was just like, to put it nicely, like he wasn't the smartest guy in the world. And then you find out what he's doing, and you're just like, wow, that's that's an expensive piece of machinery. So fast forward a few years, he was telling me about it, and uh, he was saying, like, they're just pieces of shit. Like, they're weekly maintenance. Weekly, like, full top yeah. to pop, top to yeah. bottom. And this is, like, like, 2004. It's 2004. like driving a, it's like driving an aftermarket Saab. <laughs> <laughs> or an Audi. Just an Audi, yeah. Plymouth. <laughs> But that's that's one of the reasons why when they transport a lot of like military vehicles that that aren't just like straight up like a truck or like a, a Humvee or something like that, they transport it on the back of another truck or like by rail because it's just it's just cheaper to just carry it on something else. <laughs> it's, uh, it's God, just it's ridiculous. so fucking American. Like that's, I like, really it's so American. I want to say that's, I'm all, a, that's all military equipment. That's not just American. That's that's like that's Russian yeah, military equipment. To be fair, uh, that's that's okay. every that's every. But also to be fair, that sounds like something that's just very fucking American. <laughs> it does. It sounds it sounds very army. Is what it this sounds. piece of machinery can absolutely obliterate a target from miles away. How does it get there? On on the on the back of a. $10,000 truck. <laughs> <laughs> this piece of machinery, uh, this piece of machinery can shoot uh, munitions over 14 miles accurately. The only problem is, does anyone have any 1989 Yoplait lids? Because we need them. It's the only fuel we can use. It was designed by Greg Yoplait. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking military, thirty-five billion dollars, oh and we have to run it on yo play lids. God damn it! 
it's it's amazing how much money we give to the military and then when you know people who are in the military and you start to hear the stories you're like wait bro the fuck I, is all this money i'm going? not going to look it up but it's several trillion dollars like every budget right and yeah. and meanwhile we're given the iraqi or the iranians like massive amount of arms or was it the iraqis i'm sorry it was the iraqis we armed right steve no, the Iranians. Iranians, we yeah. armed. We, we armed the Iranians. Pre- and post-Iranian revolution. And we spent $35 billion on a plane that can't fly at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's absolutely outrageous. All right. I just, got, um, I just settled the lawsuit with Yoplay. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> but what happens is, is in the fall of 1979, um, uh, Bazargan... Um, he, he, his moderate faction that he's leading um, sort of loses out in the, in the post-revolution struggle. Um, initially, the, the Iranian Revolution, which we talked about, was sort of this uh, movement that comprised like all sectors of society, and it also included a lot of like socialist and Marxist groups. But what happens is that the Islamists um, and, the, and the hardline Islamists sort of take over the government. Um, and that's when, in, on November 4th of 1979, uh, members, uh, college students uh, that are in the extremist faction, they seize the U.S. Embassy and take the embassy hostage. Oh, I remember hearing about this. Okay, I've, I've read about this. Um, so, this begins uh, an embargo on Iran, which, which existed until, uh, many elements of it existed until, uh, very recently, until the, the Iran deal. Hmm. So you know, the one that the one that the current president likes to go on about. So like, we were cool with them right up until this point, and then it just one eighty. Now we got an embargo against them. Yes, okay. because they took they took the embassy staff hostage. Okay, um, they they put an embargo on. Okay, them. and so what the Iranians do is because they can't def they most definitely can't get military equipment from the Carter administration. Um, they go through back channels. Just imagine asking Jimmy Carter for weapons. <laughs> like, no, seriously. I, I just, uh, I don't think that's a good well, use. I, I don't know if that's a good, a good use. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good use of our industry. Well, I think I'd rather build I, some I, houses with those guns. I, I had a talk with Mother. <laughs> I, I prayed I prayed on it, and I do not believe that would be a good deal for America. The, like, single least deserving hated president... They ever. made him sell oh, his yeah. fucking he, peanut farm. God he damn is it. a he <laughs> is a god among men when you compare any president to him ethically or morally. This is a he still does. He have is like humanity. he is yeah. He's like the Fred Rogers of presidents, and that's probably why people he's, didn't like him. They made him sell his he's, fucking peanut farm. God damn it. He's like the he's like the good southern politician, whereas like Bill Clinton's like. The Bob from Twin Peaks level, like <laughs> you know who, you know who bought that uh, Jimmy Carter's peanut farm? Actually, you Who's know who it? bought that? Texas Roadhouse. No, shut up. <laughs> just fucking oh my god! I was gonna say, bro, Johnny Yopoy the third. Dude, I was so scared for a minute. I really thought you were for real. I was like, no. Yeah, Texas Roadhouse, bro. Next time Where you're there stepping on shells, just remember you're <laughs> stepping on Jimmy Carter's <laughs> dreams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, Logan, did, did Logan's Roadhouse get in on that venture too? <laughs> I, I think so. It's more, that's why the, they, had to, the, they had to go through a backroom deal. The food's more expensive at Logan's because they have to pay the uh, the peanut tax. 
Oh, the man. peanut merchants. Yep. The peanut guild. Oh my god, they did him. Carter's so been arrested. Anyway. He's been arrested six times for breaking into the roadhouse and taking the peanuts back. <laughs> <laughs> trying to his frail his frail old body tried to lift a giant wooden barrel full of peanuts into the back of his car. Uh, we are guys. How many people just just turned off the podcast? This joke oh series. <laughs> All right. I can't breathe. So anyway, Jimmy Carter sold peanuts to Iran. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, because because Carter won't won't sell the Iranians the the equipment they need, you know, the parts and the weapons. Um, they reach out through a back channel to to Israeli um, to the Israeli military. Mm-hmm. And just real real quick to recap, they're getting these weapons for the inevitable war with Iraq. Yes, okay. and and just sort of to maintain so that they can keep all their equipment running as well. Okay. Because um, the Soviet Union is also not hot on Iran. Okay. Um, like, one of the main reasons why the Soviet Union um, did a coup d'etat in Afghanistan and invaded Afghanistan was to sort of make sure that Iran did not, you know, have an Islamic revolution in Afghanistan. Because they were very much worried that an Islamic revolution could pop up in one of the stands it could pop up in chechnya and they just sort of wanted to make sure that couldn't happen is that okay so then is that what their involvement was in afghanistan yes that was the main reason why they did it which most people in the soviet union had no idea why they had invaded afghanistan um just that they had done it and and that was essentially the logic okay was to to sort of um create a a sort of communist satellite state in that region mm-hmm. um, bordering the Soviet Union. Okay. Um, so in, in early 1980, um, the, 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 the Iranian government receives um, its first equipment um, from Israel. Um, Do we know which what it was? A, what was it? It was, a, it was a large number of tires. What? Um, <laughs> For for the F four Phantom, but they were Goodyear tires too. Say, listen, hit up China and be like, listen, guys, we need tires. Y'all can handle business for us because the, the U S isn't trying to play ball. They're they're proprietary tires. Proprietary tires. Is that what it says on the side? Just proprietary tires. Motherfucker, have you been to Chinatown? They will duplicate anything, dog. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. well, look at how many like used tire places there are. You know. Now imagine on the level of we're selling these to Iran. <laughs> well, the only the only government that would openly sell arms to Iran in the coming um, Iran Iraq War um, was North Korea, because North Korea will sell like anything to anyone. They're so cash strapped and desperate. Yeah, okay. which is part of the reason they're frightening. Yeah, and and what the and what the Israelis did was they made a they made a profit um, on the the sales that they made um, the these tire sales that they made to Iran. Um, that they created a special um, intelligence um, uh, slush fund that also went to um, the Likud party, um, and the Likud party is like a is like sort of like the Republican Party of Israel. Okay. Like Netanyahu, I believe, is in the Likud party. That's all you got to say. I think that I think he meant that's all you have to say. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's all I have to say. I, I, it sounded, to me, it sounded like you're asking a question. Like that's all you have to say about it. That's all you got to no, say. No, no, no. Huh? That's all you had to say. What else do you yeah. have to say about that Netanyahu, Netanyahu buddy? <laughs> huh? You gonna you gonna talk smack about? Listen, I'll go to the math, my boy, my boy Benji, yo. I mean, first of all, his name's Netanyahu, which sounds like a pejorative. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy's fucking Netanyahu. Um, and and this fun that they make, it, it begins to grow exponentially. Love it. Um, and, and it's um, and it's an extra like budgetary fund, so it's something that's not regulated by the Israeli government. Oh, so they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Okay. Yeah, so they've they've essentially created their own black fund out of money from selling um, these tires to Iran, which they'll eventually move on to other things. What year is this? Um, this is 1980. Okay. 1980. Question. Is what Israel did illegal? It... Or is that one of those gray, murky areas? It depends on who you talk will, to and blah, blah, blah. It will become illegal later on. Um, as to it, it, It's sort of like the legality of it is, is not very good because usually when uh, the United States has arms treaties with countries, they're not supposed to be, you know, just like selling off the arms that they're able to get from the United States. Okay. Um, it's it's sort of like a, like almost like an NDA or like a user agreement saying like if you get these weapons, you're not gonna just like sell them to the first person you know when you need money. Okay. Yeah, because they're not selling them to Iran; they're giving them to Iran, right? No, they're selling them. Oh, okay. But that are they was selling the whole them? thing. Like the are they selling them below that. retail? Is this wholesale? Well, no, they're no, they, made they, they made a profit on. Yeah, they made a profit. Oh man, I am and they're so using behind. The... Are you not paying attention, it... dude? I am paying attention, but I'm looking for the jokes, not the facts. This will be. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to post that SNL skit with Phil Hartman as Ron. Oh, Hartman, that's the best. Where he's like, where he just goes through a wrong contract. I need to take a nap. Like you're. <laughs> they're just like you're going too fast for a sir. And he's just like yelling at them and telling them like these are the countries we launder our money. Yeah. in. Yeah. It was just like the joke that Ronald Reagan was like falling apart mentally, but then like as soon as you closed the door and it became policy hour, he was just like this just psycho nut job who was super motivated Jesus Christ was, was actually behind everything yeah exactly I'm just an old man I'm confused just <laughs> Uncle Leo at the library God I wish I could do a Reagan impersonation um, and in well? and in 1980 <laughs> in, in 1985 um, an Iranian um, pilot um, he, he was the chief of um, ground forces of, um, of air ground forces uh, for the, the Iranians, Mohammad Reza um, Amin uh, Zadeh. He first, when he when he sought political assignment in England in 1985, um, in an interview with um, with a London-based magazine called uh, Alda Store, um, he first sort of reported. These, these initial contacts between Israel and the Khomeini government. Um, so by 1985, um, these deals sort of start bubbling up in, in the press. Okay. Um, and on September 22nd, 1980, um, Iraq um, invades Iran. Um, and because um, Iran is, is sort of caught off foot at the beginning of the war, um, most of their like highly trained like pilots and stuff like that, they're all in prison pretty much. Um, the the Wait, majority of the majority of the officer corps are in prison because they were the they were the officers of the Shah. So it's just like uh, because the second tier pilots are, are piloting. I was gonna ask like, was this a uh, ground invasion? Well, yeah, it was a ground a ground air like everything invasion. Wow. Um, and they have to. They eventually they have to give a lot of these pilots 
um, amnesty. Mm-hmm. Like, like they have to essentially tell them and, and some of these other military officers that you know we need we need you and you're gonna you're gonna fight for us and if you do we're gonna like we'll do away with your prison sentence but you have to fight if i if i remember my facts correctly iraq and iran have air forces and they're not like terrible but they're also not a match whatsoever for the united states like at all they're they're both yeah they're um they're not as good um but they're uh, not terrible uh, well, Iraqs, they just don't have a lot. Well, yes. Well, that's the thing. Like, they well, don't no have a one, lot. Well, no one, no one in the world's air force is as good as the United States Air Force. I mean, of course, Iraq. Like it's <laughs> it, it it's it's such a it's such a distance in terms of funding and technology that like even China and Russia are not even like close. I'm sorry, you like, said they're, funding, they're there. but I think you meant theft of tax proceeds. <laughs> Where's the lie? There is none. <laughs> Technically, it's not even funny, but I'm gonna laugh too. <laughs> um, so uh, Iran, Iran, even more than before, um, they need they need this equipment, and most of it is American and British made equipment, um, and neither the Brits or the Americans are, are willing to sell to them. Um, so they they reach out more to Israel, um, and and Israel keeps on sending uh, more weapons to them. Um, and after October of 1980, don't we sell um, weapons to Israel at that time? Yes, and we'll, we'll get to. that. I was going to say, then aren't, isn't it like a like a three way thing? Like it's like a bounce pass. Well, it it gets that way, but originally it was just sort of like they tell the Americans what they need, and then without saying anything, they just sell it. Like as soon as it gets off the truck, you know, they got the Iranian guys out back or whatever and they just have them hey like got a gunship over here <laughs> hey so on 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 october 24th of 1980 um scorpion tank parts um and 250 tires for f4 fighter jets are, are flown to iran hmm. from um, israel and they're, yes okay. and and israel and israeli um uh military supplies that they own uh, are being clandestinely shipped um, from Europe, uh, European locations um, to Iranian ports. Okay. Um, and, and these included um, spare parts for the aforementioned F-4 jets, um, helicopters, and different missile systems. Okay. Um, and the Carter administration finds out about this, um, and they pressure the Israeli government to halt these sales, um, because the United States is still currently... Um, negotiating for the release of the embassy hostages. Okay. Um, so while Americans are being held, you know, prisoner um, by the Iranians, um, the Israelis are, are are like making deals with them and selling them weapons. Jeez. <sighs> but but we're still politically pro-Israel, right? At the time. <sighs> yes, America was not as like pro-Israel as it is today. Back then, right? Um, a lot of that has to do with a lot of like lobbying. Um, sure. It just, just, just sort of with the aforementioned like Likud party. Um, once the political left in Israel was literally murdered, um, the right wing elements take over Israeli society, and that's where you get people like Netanyahu. 
um, who equates sort of like if you don't support Israel, you're an anti-Semite type logic. And that that right there is still in people's heads nowadays. Like when I'll discuss with people how like Israel well, does yeah, a lot of fucked up shit, they think like, oh, you it, hate the. Ch-. I'm like, no, I don't fucking like the what the government of Israel. I said does Israel, not yeah, the Jews. Like I didn't say Jews. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's just yeah, that, but that people are unable to disentangle the two. Well, that's that's the playbook, and it's because the right wing. Um, Israelis want to put in people's minds, you know, that there is no difference between a Jewish person and an Israeli, you know, that a Jewish person that doesn't live in Israel or is not a citizen of Israel, you know, is, is just sort of like, they, they, they still are. Yeah, yeah. You know. Like, they, it's almost like a Mormon logic jump, you know. They did a hell of a job driving that message home, that propaganda bullshit, because it, it damn sure, it's still to this day, it sticks around, if you talk to people. Yeah. Um, but... Um, so after the war starts, um, in, in earnest, um, Israel still keeps seeking permission. Um, and when Ronald Reagan, um, is elected in 1981, um, he gives covert consent to Israel to sell, um, sort of like the unadvanced weaponry to Iran. Uh, meaning, like, they couldn't sell them any, like, guidance systems or things like that, but they could sell them, like, Bows and arrows, like basic parts for things. Baseball yeah, bats. You know, okay, and this one this, this was before um, the dementia really started kicking in, right? So this was him knowingly doing this. Yes, and okay. this is after the hostages have been released, because the hostages are released after Ronald Reagan. I'm going to let you in all the um, secret, Ryan. He never had dementia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was always operating at a hundred percent capacity. Um, Nancy definitely wasn't running the country. Because what what happens is that the Carter administration effectively uh, negotiates the release of the of the hostages, um, but they purposely um, drag it out and don't release them until Reagan is president to spike Carter. Yeah, I, I, I remember uh, reading something vaguely about that, where it was like, nah, like, they were pretty much released when, when Jimmy Carter was still president, but they needed, you know, big, strong Daddy Reagan, the fucking movie movie star, cause, to cause be the they, person to release him. Because they wanted, um, essentially, they wanted to make Carter look bad, because Carter had given shelter to the Shah, and he had also, you know, supported the Shah up until his, like, being overthrown. Yeah. Um, but um, the the counselor of the the State Department, um, Robert McFarlane, he would coordinate the the agreement between the United States, um, um, Israeli Prime Minister, the the agreement, the Israeli U.S. agreement, which was between Israeli Prime Minister um, uh, Menachem Begin and um, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Alexander Haig. Okay, so that guy's <laughs> name is Menachem Begin. <laughs> What is it? It's Menachem Begin. <laughs> I just the only I'm not saying I'm smart. I just know because I've heard it said before. Okay. Yeah, it's Menachem yeah. Begin. Menachem Begin. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Right. It sounds it, like a fake like thing that George Carlin came up with, like in the middle of like an it old. It sounds radio like skit. shitty vegan bacon. Menachem <sighs> Begin. Menachem Begin. Shitty vegan bacon. Does it? <laughs> Menachem Bacon? It's on. It's on bacon. No, I it's understand begin. that. I understand that, but it sounds it's like sh- what, what you would call shitty. Of course, vegan it's not bacon. bacon. Well, it's no, vegan uh, Ryan, bacon. 
I'm not I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying, you know, how like the vegan like it's not it's not chicken it's not chicken, it's chicken. <laughs> like like they put an I instead of an E or whatever. And like or, an or, apostrophe like, at the end. Yeah, an apostrophe. Yeah. Like I've I've had it before. He was helping if you. like if they if they make it right it tastes good, but if it's like if it's like a cheap like microwave dinner type deal, it just tastes like tofu. Yeah, we were just having this talk, like definitely limit your meat intake. Agribusiness is disgusting. But when you really think about it, some of that, uh, some of those like options, like the Impossible Whopper and all those—not just the Impossible Whopper, but the Impossible Burger, all that meat—it's actually not bad. I've heard yeah. that the Impossible Whopper is actually delicious. It's it's it good for the first like five or six bites, and then for some reason, and I wasn't the one who said this. Someone told this to me, and then I tried it, and it was it was that I had that experience. Like five or six bites in, you can tell it's not a burger at that point. But it doesn't taste bad. It's still good. Yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah. I'm my own thing. I'm my own thing. <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. How's he figure into Iraq? <laughs> well, you see. Um, so what the, the Reagan administration does um, is that they have, um, they have what's called a senior interdepartmental group. So sort of like representatives from different branches of like the military and the intelligence and the state department um they do a secret study on july 21st 1981 um and they conclude that an arms embargo on iran um would sort of be ineffective because there were a a bunch of countries in the world that iran could buy u.s made equipment from um and they also feared that if they had an embargo on iran that Iran could fall into the Soviet sphere, um, that the Kremlin could start selling Iran arms like the Kremlin did to most of the other like dictators in the Middle East, um, like the Assad family, like pretty much everybody in the Middle East that isn't Israel or Jordan, um, or, or like on the Arab Peninsula, they got most of their weaponry from the Soviet Union. So was it at this point a decision of fuck it we'll sell weapons so that nobody else can like if somebody's gonna make money it might as well be us kind of well yeah the idea was that if we don't if we don't make a deal like an arms deal with them that they're gonna break away from American influence yeah the idea is that you know if we don't sell them the weapons they're gonna get them from somebody else where they could possibly you know um, become allies with the Soviet Union which you know the they're not going to become allies with the Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, but so, so they were, they were pretty stupid to assume that. Um, so they, their conclusion is that they need to start selling weapons to Iran, um, as soon as it's politically possible. Okay. Which is dumb as Um, shit, but okay. and, And at that same time, um, is that they, they sort of, uh, openly declare, um, that the, the Ayatollah of Khomeini is like a threat to the region um, because he's sort of called for this Islamic revolution to sweep over the Middle East um, and the it, this is perceived as a threat to the United States. Okay. Was it? No. Is that like a deep question? Like, was there any like reality to that at all? Because it never seems like there is. Like, it always seems well, like the idea listen, listen, that listen, a country listen. we were selling weapons to was in some way a threat 
to us, the country that had the capability of selling excess weapons to another country who didn't have them. Well, I would say – when I say it's a threat, I mean a threat to U.S. interests. I I don't mean like they're going to like – I I don't mean that like – yeah, you know, Iranians are going to par- parachute in and take over. <laughs> I like, think at I this mean, point right now, and even back then, Russia and China, I think, are the only two nations that pose an immediate direct threat to the United States if they wanted to launch something at us. I don't even think North Korea could get to us if they wanted to. Yeah, not not at, not at that point. There are very few countries that could actually – when they say, like, a threat to the United States, they mean, like, a threat to U.S. Yeah, I understand that. Not that – and like, not to like defend Vietnam. myself, but I, I understand that, but, like, still, it seems like – like, what is well, what like, were the interests like, keeping? Well, it's like Vietnam. Like, what was the point of Vietnam? Don't like, even, people say it don't was even like fucking get me started. to protect freedom. We'll do a thirty-six parter on Vietnam at some point. Don't even get me started. <laughs> just, just watch Ken Burns Vietnam. It's it's fucked um, up. Yeah, we might, we don't even need to do it. Oh god, we're not no. doing another Ken Burns skit either. <laughs> <laughs> so as. As Israel has started selling with the, with the America's blessing, started selling these unsophisticated um, uh, equipment to Iran, they've also breached this agreement and have also sold sophisticated military equipment to Iran secretly. God, Israel's such a shitty fucking place at this point. Jesus. Um, so what they do is they set up a covert operation in New York City on Wall Street. Um, they, they set it up on what's called uh, John Street, which is off of Wall, Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they set up an office with 50 people in it. And the job of this office is to, to covertly purchase American military equipment and then to resell it to Iran. In, in March of 1982, um, the New York Times um, receives a leak about these covert weapon sales. Okay. Um, and when this happens, um, they they move the operation to London because they're afraid, you know, that they their cover's been blown. So they move the operation in 1983. Okay. Um, and so what the London operation eventually grows to um, is that it becomes like a worldwide network of private arms dealers and shell companies and shippers um, that sold uh, that sold weapons um, covertly. Um, for Israel um, to Iran. And this is several billion dollars worth of American-made arms that go from Israel to Iran. Okay. Jesus. Um, and, and by the end of, like, 1982, um, it becomes evident to, like, the U.S. State Department that the Israeli government is, like, routinely selling these weapons to um, to Iran Without getting like the consent, from I the smell United sarcasm. Because <laughs> part of because part of the agreement as it officially stands, because nobody else knows about the covert agreement. When they say it's a covert agreement, it only means like a select group of people and like the White House know about it, and people who are on need to know basis, which eventually grows into um, the the Iran Contra affair. Oh um, shit! That's. That's that's when we start talking about people like Oliver North and stuff like that, which will be the next episode. Oh, this, this is just sort of setting it up. <laughs> okay. Um, this is our, okay. So we got a multi-parter. How many parts is going to be? It's going to be two. Two parts. Okay. Um, so they're they're not getting the case by case consent that they're supposed to be getting. Um, and by the spring, uh, in, in spring of eighty two, 
um, it was it was determined that um, the the Israeli Defense Minister um, Ariel Sharon, future um, future Prime Minister of Israel, um, that 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 he was violating the agreement. Um, the Reagan administration officially rescinded its consent of any sales um, of American military equipment for, um, by Israel to Iran. So this is twice now that we've decided, okay, we're selling you guys weapons. Oh, y'all fucked up. Nope, we're not doing it anymore. All right, we're going to start selling you guys weapons again. Oh, you fucked up. We're not doing it anymore. That's twice, right? Yes. And so because of this, um, the U.S. government, though, is still like – turning a blind eye that Israel is continuing to do this. They publicly, you know, slap them on the wrist. Um, but what, what's happening still is that the Reagan administration is still, you know, uh, sending arms to Israel, and those arms are still ending up in Iran. And, and they're they're aware of this. They they know that Israel is, is violating the agreement, but they're just turning a blind eye to it. Jesus. Because we um, make money? And well, it, it's also seen as like it makes Israel happy, um, and, and this sort of fills, you know, the Carter or the Reagan administration's idea that you know that they're going to make Iran into a nominal U.S. ally. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait a minute. Because because remember, this is all based on them coming up with a report that said you know that if we don't sell them weapons, they're not going to be our friend, um, because the belief was that there was still a moderate branch within the Iranian government that could come to power or could be influenced to um, you know support America so um, that 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 obviously doesn't happen but that's what they believe so what like I understand I might be connecting the dots I have a feeling your response is gonna be like oh we'll get there but basically <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm saying how how much evidence is there that we fucking damn well knew that Israel was doing this and let it happen? What's well, that's what I was just saying. They knew, like, like everybody, everybody in the process, you know, selling weapons to Israel. Like they knew, they knew it was still going on. There wasn't any deniability. But like, how much of way. it was like they wanted it to happen? You know what I mean? Oh, well, they well, if you let, if you watch someone do something wrong, right. Like and you don't stop them, That's, and you know it's still going on. You're you're obviously giving them your consent. Got it. You know if you if you work at a store, and your your buddy comes in, and every time he comes in, you know he steals like a pack of gum or whatever, mm-hmm. and you see him take it, like by you not stopping him or telling him to stop, you're giving him his con- you're you're giving him your consent. You're complicit. But I thought that that was kind of the whole idea. Yeah. They wanted Iran to be like not hating the United States. And yeah, but. They're they're doing that, but they're also publicly, you know, decrying Iran. Okay. Like like they're still publicly, you know, talking about you know like how Iran is is bad. Okay. Um, but but in secret, you know, they're still like like slipping them notes saying like, "Will you be my best friend?" <laughs> check yes, check no. Um, and and this is sort of ramped up in the spring of 1983, uh, where the U.S. launches this this operation called Operation Staunch. Operation um, Staunch. It, yeah, and this is a, a diplomatic effort that, that is to persuade other nations um, around the world to not sell weapons to Iran. And part of this campaign is essentially saying is that, um, you know, selling weapons to Iran is, like, morally wrong. 
um, that if you do this, you know, you're complicit in supporting a nation that supports terrorism and, you know, yada, 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 like the same things that the they, that they say today would, yeah, yeah. about Iran, yeah, yeah. about about companies that do business with Iran and stuff like that, you know, that you're you're supporting the same thing that the nation. government says about every country in the Middle East that doesn't count out to us. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a lot of those countries are actually, you know, pretty, pretty fucking awful, um, like Syria. Um, but it, 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 you know, you you are morally wrong wrong for doing it, but you're you're not necessarily morally wrong for doing it for the reasons that the United States says so. Yeah. Um, so it and this also um, when when things start um, popping up in 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 November of 1986 um, is is when the first reports of this um, of these arms sales taking place. You know, this whole effort makes the United States look even worse because they had been telling for the last three years the rest of the world, you know, don't do business with Iran. Knowing that the arms we sell to Israel are getting secondhand sold to Iran. Yes. Okay, nice. And then and then they also would would directly sell um, to Iran. Um, real quick side note, is it Iran or Iran? Or does it not matter? I think it's Iran. I believe it's I think it's pronounced Iran. Iran, okay. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a bit more, but they do directly, you know, send weapons and missiles and things to Iran um, as like a show of like goodwill, not just through the Israeli connection. Okay. Um, which is which is sort of like the meat of um, like Oliver North and the whole the trials that go on. Oh, North! Oh God, I can't wait. <laughs> um, but we'll 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 pick up on that. Um, at the beginning of next episode. The greatest um, joke was the, when Ollie North got, like, <clears throat> what was he, like, a spokesman for the NRA or, like, the president of the NRA? Or he, he was something for the NRA, and somebody was like, yeah, because Ollie North knows quite a few things about weapons. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. They weren't wrong. No, not in, not even a little bit. It's fucking hilarious. He did time, right? Yeah, he did a little prison time. Did he? I didn't know that. I thought he got like a slap on the wrist and did like a like a wink wink nudge nudge prison sentence. He got a very limited one. Okay. I feel like high treason. You're supposed to get it, the noose, but that yeah. <coughs> yeah. That includes Reagan, by the way. Um, that's technically well, what they did you know. is high treason by the letter of the law. Well. Um, so. You know, we'll get into that next episode. You know, they pressed F to sell missiles. Well, you know, <laughs> like I used to say to Nancy, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> well, act, act, actually, if you could, um, it, sort, sort of at the long um, sort of trials against that he was that all of his charges were were dropped against Oliver North. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I thought he went yes. to jail. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. No, he didn't. He didn't end up in jail. He was he was booked. I know he got a mugshot. He, he, he got arrested. Like, yeah, he, mug he got arrested in a mugshot, and he might have spent time in in prison um, initially during the hearings. But he like jail. Yeah, he did not actually. Um, yeah, because in in 1989 he was sentenced to a three year suspended prison term, two years probation. Yeah, that that's what I thought. Like a like a uh, nudge nudge wink wink prison term uh, suspended. One hundred fifty thousand dollars in fines. And 1,200 hours of community service. God, what a piece of shit. Okay. Uh, but but eventually, um, his the through the um, the ACLU had his uh, convictions vacated. The ACLU. Yeah. 
Was, under what guise was he just doing his job? Well, the, essentially it was that his um, that they, they went to the appeals court and that um, they found that the witness in his uh, trial um, might have been affected by um, his his uh, congressional testimony that he gave under immunity. I You know, okay, all right, all right, okay. This is my hot take, and then we can continue. The justice system, when it works the way it is supposed to work, it is fucking infuriating. Because were it me and a witness was kind of questionable, I would want it to work the same way for me. So if it's done correctly, it's fucking infuriating. Uh, but case in point, real quick side note, Casey Anthony, they had all the evidence in the fucking world. They just fucked it up. Were it me? Hey, thanks. You know, y- you just dropped the ball. Like, God, yeah. it's, so, it's, so, it's so frustrating so and infuriating. He, but he did he did do some, like, a very minimum of time, but all of his, like, convictions were vacated. Hmm. God damn um, that, that's, that's sort of like that thing, you know, like they talk about, like, the legal dramas of, like, going to the appeal court. Yeah. Like, like his actually, you know, worked out. God damn it. Um, it's like when you're watching so, a Law and Ep- Order law and order episode <laughs> it's like when like you're watching a law and order episode law order episode and uh they convict the guy and then like they turn it over and appeal at like the end like <laughs> right at the end of the episode and you're just like motherfuckers dun, dun. <laughs> this is how it really works it's just like the um, west wing it, it's a perfect one for one white house I, I would say law and order is, is generally like Bad though, like I would say, I know, West being, Wing is. I'm like, being very sarcastic. Yeah. Now the West Wing's full. <laughs> yeah, of, I love I the West Wing. The West Wing was so full of shit. Everything was so idealized. But it was a good show. Yeah. And so for the next, the next sort of subject we're going to talk about, the sort of primer for these two going together, the sort of chocolate and peanut butter. Oh shit. Of the Iran Contra you know, deal, we're going to talk about Nicaragua. Fat boy heart. <laughs> Chocolate and peanut um, butter. <laughs> so N- Nicaragua, since the 1930s, um, had been uh, ran by by a family, uh, a dictatorial family called the Somoza family. Um, the the first the first dictator in the Somoza family um, was Anastasio um, Tacho Somoza Garcia, um, who ruled the country as a dictator um, between the years of 1936 and 1956. Um, uh, he was a um, he was a general in the military who essentially seized control um, from the president, how a lot of these sort of South American dictators do, um, and he was able to rule uh, with sort of the assent of the United States. Okay. Um, uh, allegedly, in 1939, um, FDR was said to have said about Somoza, um, "Somoza may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch." <laughs> I get it. I've heard that before. Tacho would eventually be shot on September 21st, 1956 um, by a poet named Rigoberto Lopez Perez um, in the city of, of Leon. Um, and um, Tacho would die several days later at a hospital in the Pan- uh, Panama Canal Zone. Okay. Um, he would be replaced um, by his son, um, Luis... Uh, Somoza de Bael, um, who ruled from 1956 to 1963. Um, his brother, um, Anastasio 
uh, Tachito uh, Somoza uh, Dibael um, would control the military during his reign. Um, Anastasio had done, um, he had gone to West Point um, and he was, um, hmm. he was sort of the military man while his brother was on the more political side. Um, his brother, though, would die of a heart attack um, and Tachito um, would eventually become uh, the leader of the country. Um, initially, he would rule um, he would rule through puppet politicians um, from 1963 to 1967, and also for a stint uh, from 1972 to 1974. Um, but other than that, he would openly rule as the president of the country um, until being overthrown in 1979. Okay. In and he's a he's a fairly um, corrupt and brutal dictator, um, which we'll get to, especially as um, as as the the Sandinistas rise up against him, um, the FSLN, uh, the Sandinista National Liberation Front, um, it, which was founded in 1961 um, by Carlos Fonseca, Amador, uh, Silvio Mayorga, and and Tomas uh, Borges Martinez, uh, and. They themselves, along with some other um, student activists um, at the Universidad Nacional um, Auto Autonoma de Nicaragua um, in Managua, um, formed this movement. So, I in, and I feel like it's it's pertinent to note here that um, the Sandinistas are actually. Can, this is something that I actually do know about this this little moment in history. Um, the Sandinistas are members of a socialist political party. In Nicaragua, it's like the Sandinista National Liberation well, it, Front, or yeah, yeah, that's what the, it is. the yeah. Sandinista, yeah. So th um, they're they're literally socialist political party, and when you hear the the Sandinistas, these are the people of that party. Yeah, and um, Amador, one of the founders, he had been um, he was the first general secretary of the organization. He had also worked um, on a newspaper that was uh, critical of the Somoza re uh, regime. Um, titled uh, Segovia. Um, they took their name um, from from a legendary um, sort of Nicaraguan revolutionary named uh, Augusto uh, Cesar Sandino, um, who had been a, a revolutionary who'd fought against the Nicaraguan government and the United States from 1927 to 1933. Okay. So this organization originally consists of 20 members in the 60s, um, but um, sort of gaining support from students, um, they, they gained a greater sort of support from peasants um, and other elements of society that was dissatisfied with the rule of the Somozas. Um, and they also gained aid um, from the communist government of Cuba um, and also it, the, one of the leaders of, of Panama, um, a, a socialist leader, um, Omar uh, Torrios. Eduardo um, Van Halen. <laughs> and the the socialist um, Venezuelan government of, of Carlos um, Andre Perez. Okay. And and eventually, what happens is is that conditions are not great in Nicaragua to begin with, but on December of 1972, the capital of Nicaragua, Managua, is hit by a massive earthquake um, that kills over 10,000 people Oof. and leaves half a million people homeless. Yeesh. Um, and a, a, a great deal of the aid is being sent to the country um, from from like other countries as, as sort of relief. Um, but what's happening is that 
the the government, the the Somozas, their their corruption, they're they're mishandling the relief. Um, and, and at this time, ninety percent of Managua has been destroyed. Jesus. Um, and, and a lot of historians believe that this is like the turning point that that sort of dooms the Somoza regime. Okay. Um, and. In, Unlimited samosas. Ah, uh, we're out. We're all out. Because <laughs> this is this is one of the reasons why um, Pittsburgh pirate Roberto Clemente um, he eventually dies um, flying a plane of, of aid materials to Managua um, on December thirty first, nineteen seventy two. Wait, that's um, what he was doing the in the plane. There. Yeah, and, and that's what he was doing because he, he did not trust the government to give the aid to the people, so he was going to personally deliver it. Re- that's why – what? I, I knew he died in a plane crash, but I didn't know that's what he was doing. Yeah, um, and because the, the regime is mishandling the, the relief of this earthquake and is also refusing um, to help like give money to rebuild Managua, um, many young people um, join the Sandinistas. Okay. Uh, because they feel like, because, you know, they don't even have homes anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so they throw in with this sort of socialist revolutionary group. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sandinistas at this point as well are receiving aid from the Soviet Union as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it throughout the 70s, they built up a coalition of, like, students, farmers, Oh, and I'm, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, this is called... A proxy war when it's Sandinistas versus Contras, but it's really like United States versus Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, so all of these um, and and a, and a group of a small group of Marxists sort of band together, um, and they launch a military effort um, against um, Anastasio. Um, they they use guerrilla tactics. Um, and they base a lot of their their sort of um, way they operate on how the, the Cuban revolutionaries operated um, during Cuba's revolution. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but what happens is is that the, the Nicaraguans, their National Guard, is trained and also um, equipped by the United States. So anytime they go into sort of an open battle with the, the National Guard during this period, they end up losing. <laughs> Unfortunately. On purpose. Well, no, no, they, 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 they don't lose on purpose. Like they, they expect to win. No, then, I mean like, they're losing on purpose. Like it was designed that way. Like we, we, we funded the other side. <laughs> that's 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 all what on purpose feeds. So it, it means it means that they're throwing. You're, you're essentially saying they were throwing the fight. What I'm trying, I think what Steve's trying to say is that he hasn't been paying attention, but uh, he's with us now. You're saying we gave it, the money to the other side, right? We funded their military, so they lost because the other side had a military advantage. Right. Well, no, our the the guys the United States was funding the Nicaraguan National Guard. They're the ones who are defeating the Sandinistas in open warfare. Right. Yeah, we the, so the United States saying, funded the National Guard instead of saying on purpose. That's what I meant. Like you're saying, and you're saying the National Guard won, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm saying on purpose, like they were. We funded them. <laughs> if we funded the Sandinistas, then the National Guard probably would have lost. <laughs> I don't even get well, what's yeah, funny on, or what I'm not getting about it, but well, you go ahead and continue now because I don't really care. <laughs> well, I, I guess you would say as intended. Sure. Either way. Oh, God. Um, 
so the the fighting's going on. Um, the guerrillas aren't doing that well, um, and eventually some of the leaders of the Sandinistas um, to to be killed. One one which is uh, Mayorga. Um, Mayorga is killed um, in an operation outside of um, Matagalpa City, and the the Sandinistas sort of um, break off their campaign. Um, and Amador, the leader of the Sandinistas, says that they're going to go through a period of like prolonged uh, reflection. Um, self-criticism and ideological debate um to to sort of come up with like what they can do to win um and so what they do is they they sort of reduce their attacks and they they solidify the organization okay um and what they start doing is they start kidnapping people friendly to the regime and also other people um to to sort of like get them into the news and then also to like attack the regime on a personal level. Okay. So like to change the narrative. Well, well, just to like let people know that they're there, and we'll we'll, we'll sort of get to that like how they how they change the narrative by doing okay. this. Okay. There you go. We'll get to it. Because <laughs> uh, because like I said, um, the the regime um, is, is trained and outfitted by the United States government. So they're highly trained troops. Um, and they sort of declare when this starts that the country is in like a state of siege, like a national emergency. Um, so they just start um, torturing people. Um, they just start like killing anyone they, they feel like killing um, and, and just start intimidating people and censoring the press um, to combat the Sandinistas. God, why? why? Um, All right. And this, and this in 1978 causes the U.S. government, um, the Carter administration, um, to cut off aid to the Somoza regime for these human rights violations, um, which is one of the first of what eventually becomes three um, amendments called the Boland Amendment. Okay, what does the Boland? What does the Boland Amendment basically say? It, it essentially says that the United States is going to withhold aid to Nicaragua, uh, to Nicaragua um, while they're they're sort of like acting in the way they're acting. You know, when they're just like murdering civilians, you know, just like, just like, just, just killing everyone. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like Vietnam. Okay. Like they go to a village and they're like, you were helping the enemy, so we're going to kill everyone here. And you said there's three it, of it, these amendments? Yeah, they, they eventually keep adding to them because the government, and eventually the Reagan government will, will still like reach out and aid this, um, the Nicaraguan government. They basically and, renege and also, on the amendment every time. Well, they they also um, they also go about it in different ways because the the Somoza regime is um, eventually in 1979, which we'll talk about, um, is overthrown. Okay. Um, and the Contras are the the counter revolutionaries, hence the name Contra. Yeah, the the name is literally like counter revolution. Like that's the, yeah. Well, they're 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 sort of like a, like an umbrella like name. For, for like a bunch of different groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean like Contra is literally short for like Contra Revolution or however you would say. Well, it's, it, it's it like a, it's like a nickname. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a nickname that just means like Counter Revolutionaries. Yeah. Um, and in on January twentieth of nineteen seventy eight, um, the editor of a newspaper in Managua called uh, La Prensa, um, and and also the founder of. Um, a Union for Democratic Liberation, um, Pedro uh, Joaquin uh, Chimero uh, Cardinal was murdered by um, by elements of the Somoza regime. What? Uh, 
And so this guy, um, who, who's sort of like a critic of the regime and, and sort of calling for democratic reform because he's assassinated by elements of the regime, um, riots um, break out in Managua, um, which target the regime. And following these riots, there's a general strike um, January 23rd um, to, 20, to the 24th that calls for the end of the Somoza regime. Um, and the it shut down 80% of the businesses um, in not only Managua, but also um, in other provincial capitals in Nicaragua. Damn. That's crazy. On, on August 20, 22nd of 1978, um, the Sandinistas, um, they, they pull off a massive kidnapping operation. Okay. Um, so what they do is they capture the national, the national palace, um, while the legislature is in session, um, and they take 2000 hostages. Two th- How many? Cause it's, it would be like if you took, if you took Congress hostage while everybody was in Congress. Holy shit. Like if, this, like if the say? Senate and the House, so they take 2,000 uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, this is hostages. ridiculous. Uh, Part of their demands is they demand um, they demand money, they demand the release of um, Sandinistan prisoners, and they also um, demand to have their, like, uh, manifestos um, and, and cause sort of publicized. And they demand okay. that shit on purpose. And and after after two days, um, the government agrees to pay um, five hundred thousand dollars and and release certain prisoners, okay. um, which the Sandinistas consider a victory. Uh, uh, yes, that's absolutely a fucking victory when the government pays you half a million dollars and releases some political prisoners. They're kowtowing yeah. to yeah, absolutely fucking literally that's a victory. Um, so the the revolts continue. Um, and the Sandinistas still gain material support um, from Venezuela and Panama. Um, and, and they also gain advisors from Cuba. Um, so Cuba are essentially sending um, like commandos into uh, Nicaragua to like train um, and help the, the Sandinistas. So sort of like Cuban Green Berets. Okay. Um, and, in, and in 1979... Um, the Organization of American States, um, which is sort of like think like the EU, but for the for the Western Hemisphere. Okay. Um, they like without any of the like economic things. It's just sort of like a place where they like meet and talk. Um, they they supervise negotiations between the Sandinistas um, and the government, um, but these like break down um, when the Somoza regime. Uh, essentially refuses to talk with them that that they have no desire to allow democratic elections to happen in the country of course i mean uh, that's what you know dictators they don't want but uh, saying dictators by, by don't June, want democracy fuck no <laughs> that's very low on the list of things they want <laughs> maybe a little democracy here or there but otherwise i get to say what goes <laughs> by by june of 1979 um, the Sandinistas have, have taken over every part of the country um, except Managua. And on July 17th, um, Somoza resigns, um, and the, the Sandinistas enter Managua to take full control over the government. Okay. Uh, on, on December 1st, 1981, um, Ronald Reagan um, signs a, a sort of a signs a sort of like 
um, what's called a presidential finding, um, which authorizes um, covert operations in Nicaragua. Okay, here we go. United States sticking its big fucking nose into business that doesn't belong. Well, that was like his specialty. It was on his resume. That's the United States specialty. Yeah, but but specifically Reagan was was exceptionally egregious in this regard. Yeah, yeah. So what he what he does is they they form a, a sort of secret agreement with the Argentinian government. Um, then the, the Argentinian government, which at this time is ruled um, by a military dictatorship, um, they also are, are sort of like wanting to, to change the government in Nicaragua. Um, so they both go together in training and funding um, uh, these sort of terrorist groups and remnants of the National Guard in Nicaragua into what is called the Contras. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Contras themselves, um, even before um, even before the U.S. gets really involved with them, uh, many elements of them had been sort of involved with uh, the cocaine market mm-hmm. and also with the induction, uh, introduction of crack cocaine um, to the United States. Here we go. Mm, here he is. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, and and this is where you have that, that famous report um, from the San Jose Mercury News, um, which provided the connection between the crack epidemic and the Contras. Mm-hmm. And our support of them, right? Yeah, so eventually that the the CIA is sort of supporting them. Um, so what initially what happens is it's mostly these remnants of the regime, um, but later on the CIA begins recruiting people um, and supplements their forces with uh, mercenaries that have been trained by the CIA. That they they essentially just pick up people and they say like if you want to go fight in Nicaragua for the Contras like we'll pay you and we'll train you. <laughs> Um, and eventually this agreement they have with Argentina breaks down um, because the United States supports Great Britain in the Falklands War um, and for that Argentina withdraws its support for these programs and the CIA moves the training sites to Honduras wow that's interesting I didn't realize that was the connection of why they moved it for okay okay um, so they they sort of believe they, they 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 go on with this because they believe that the Sandinistas have a close tie to the Cuban and Soviet governments, which they view as a strategic threat. Did they? Um, they they did have, or did um, they just have like political ideal ideological like just parallels? Well, it it's one of the things we'll we'll talk about is that um, Nicaragua was in such bad shape not having even recovered from the earthquake in 72 yet, mm-hmm. that they needed help from somebody. And if, you know, the United States isn't going to give it to them, they're going to take it from Cuba or the Soviet Union. Of course, yeah. And, and essentially what the Reagan administration is saying, that this is Cuba 2.0, um, but it's not that bad considering the fact, you know, that um, in the early 90s, they have democratic elections in Nicaragua. Not only that, they have democratic elections in 1984, that put the Sandinistas in power again, free and open elections. They do this again in the in the 90s, and the the Sandinistas are voted out of power. Okay. Um, so it's how, not like, like it, it's like a one party state. How free? Yeah. How open? Is it like Russian open and free, or is it actually open? No, again? I would say it's it's better it's better than Cuba. Um, right. They they obviously wow that's a low can't have. Do you want there. to vote for <laughs> well, Fidel or Fidel? <laughs> Would you like well, they, uh, Fidel Castro, or would you like uh, Fidel Cast- 
Castro. Well, like, when I say they're when I say they're free and open elections, they're free and open elections. Right. Like you don't need to force people to vote for the people that just like freed your country from one of the most brutal dictators in history. Mm-hmm. Like, like, of course they're going to vote for him. It's the same reason Fidel was popular when the Bay of Pigs happened. Right. You know, Batista was such a terrible, like, president. Of course they want, you know, Fidel to be in And charge. people make yeah. fun of uh, and, Cubans and for that ship. And Fidel the, the great U.S. invaders at the Bay of Pigs. So, of course, yeah, he's a... Yeah, absolutely. He's a shoe-in. And, and sort of hearkening back to domino theory, they believe that, you know, if other sort of dissidents and other... South and Central American countries will see the success in Nicaragua as an inspiration, and then they'll move to overthrow their governments, and it'll cause the sort of destabilizing rise of socialist governments in South and Central America. Um, and at this time as well, the the Sandinistas are building up Nicaragua's military to a size that the U.S. feels is disproportionate to Nicaragua, and they they have fears that Nicaragua is going to use this military to sort of like force regime change on its neighbors. But it's very likely the reason why they were building up their military is because the United States is like funding a domestic like terrorist organization yeah, okay. that they have to fight. <laughs> like that, that was the thing when you were talking about like how free and fair it is. It, like I, I didn't think you were talking about the elections. I thought you just meant in society in general. And like when you're fighting like the Contras, no. like I, it's not like you can just have, you know, like, like small town America every day. <laughs> no, absolutely. The more I not. read about the Contras, I was just very when, just when, disappointed when you, with them. When when you have these terrorists who are just like raping and murdering their way across the countryside to destabilize the country, all just so socialism wouldn't take a foothold. That's literally it. That's that's what it boils down to. They were afraid of a socialist government, so they completely just destabilized the entire region. A, a number of people high up in the government were also fond of Somoza because you have to remember Somoza went to West Point. So some of the some of these officials in the Reagan administration had actually been like classmates of Somoza. They pl- they so played like, he blitz was like ball a friend, together he was like with a him. friend of theirs. That's so fucked. Oh God, they were lacrosse team members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were whipping each other with a towel in the shower saying, good game. Every time someone says that, I think of the jerky boys. They're up there whipping each other with the hot mops. <laughs> <laughs> my wife up, my wife's up here acting like she knows what the fuck's going on in Nicaragua. I fired her ass right down to the car, split her head. Out of here. <laughs> so, uh, initially, the CIA begins funding the Contras and, and training them. On a budget of fifty thousand dollars, which is about the equivalent of one hundred and forty-one thousand um, dollars in today's money, which is not a lot if you're trying to equip and train an insurgent group, it's not a lot of money. But, but as the CIA begins uh, securing more funding for their operation, it goes up uh, by millions. And all of a sudden, these motherfuckers look like Navy SEALs. <laughs> Um, and the CIA is also going in there and doing operations. Um, in 1982, the CIA um, blows up two bridges in Nicaragua, and they also mine um, Corinto Harbor, which is one of the main harbors in which aid is coming into Nicaragua. Okay, so why did they blow up two bridges, and why? Okay, so they mined a harbor to prevent aid from coming in, so that sounds like a, a, a 
not even a war crime well, because they didn't in, declare war. But like, why are you blowing up bridges? Like, I feel like that's a crime. To, just to make just to make the regime look bad to say like they're not in control. You know, the Contras are are blowing up bridges. Like these guys are incompetent. Like like just to sort of put fear into people, which is mostly what the Contras do. This is so they're, fucking they're, illegal. Jesus Christ. They're not winning hearts and minds through like saying like how great we are. They're they're winning like they're they're sort of like browbeating people into helping them. This is so fucking illegal what they were doing. Jesus Christ. Um, and so the minds that they used that they weren't actual or they weren't supposed to be um, sort of like actual mine minds. They were supposed to be like sort of mines that would make like a, a loud explosion but do minimal damage to vessels okay. in order to scare off shipping to the country um and they mainly wanted to prevent um petroleum from coming into the country and for cotton leaving the country because one of nicaragua's main exports was cotton Hmm. um and this this all backfires um because what what it eventually does is that it drives the sandinistas to become closer to the soviet union um because it needs a, a stable trading partner so by scaring away any non-Soviet or communist nations from trading with Nicaragua, they just forced Nicaragua to become closer to the Soviet Union. Once again, the United States shooting itself in the foot. Um, and April hey, let's, give 1st, a, let's give a bunch of weapons to a bunch of guys in Afghanistan and train them. Nothing could come back on us, right? Right. That, that sounds like a really good that, idea. <laughs> like nothing. That could, actually. There's some crossover there. Um, Eventually, at one point, um, if you've seen Charlie Wilson's War, the main CIA guy who was on that operation, um, Gus Avrakotos, um, he eventually like becomes pissed off because he sees that they're that they're sort of taking money that's allocated for Afghanistan and sending it to the Contras, and he gets mad about it. (laughs) Jesus Christ! This fucking shit is amazing. Okay. Um, so uh, earlier than that, in, in April of 1981, President Reagan had formally suspended economic assistance to Nicaragua. Um, so because of that um, and the, the mining of the harbor in 82, um, they're, they're sort of driving the Sandinistas further and further into the Soviet sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why uh, Ronald Reagan... Um, lifts these sanctions, or he puts down these sanctions, is through um, a a section in the International Security and Development uh, Cooperation Act of 1980, um, Section 533F, which says that if a a country is giving aid to terrorists, um, they they can suspend aid. Like, they don't have to be bound to an aid agreement if they find evidence of a country supporting terrorism. And so he uses that as an excuse, saying the Sandinistas... Are, are arming and equipping like terrorists in South I'm, America. I'm sorry, the Sandinistas are terrorists, not the Contras. Yeah, so that's oh. essentially what his his logic is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we gotta get right. these um, Sandinistas and terrorists. These because, socialist bastards. Because Ronald Reagan claims that the that the the Sandinista government is shipping weapons. The AIDS to is a gay disease. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's. <laughs> Is, is shipping uh, weapons from Cuba um, to insurgents in El Salvador. Him and his shitty wife. But during during this time, the U.S. government is still giving aid to the private sector in Nicaragua. Um, so 
They're they're still helping the uh, private businesses, but they're cutting off the government aid. Okay. It's so arbitrary. Um, like it's just. But. So part of it is that Congress is not happy with what the Reagan administration is doing. Is Congress at the um, time? It, uh, what, what house? Uh, what, what houses are controlled how's it looking, by? How's it looking? I, how's I believe looking? it's. <laughs> I believe it's predominantly Democrat during this period. Okay. Okay. Uh, but either either way, they they're not they they're very skeptical of these anti Sandinista policies, mm. um, and and they believe that the actual purpose of this is for the the CIA to you know overthrow the government. Jeez. And what the, um, like honestly, what does a country like? And God, I feel like shit saying this, but in in the eighties, what did Nicaragua have to offer to us for us to take this great of an interest in it? Is it just because of where they're located? It's it's because they're in like the U.S. backyard, and it was afraid, you know, that that these sort of like right wing nut jobs believe that you know the United States is being encircled by communists, and that one day it's going to reach a point where the United States is going to be all alone, and it's just going to be on the chopping block. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. So yeah. you think a, a small so you, country of a couple million people? Yeah. So you're saying it's like totally. basically it was a legit fear that the world would essentially just go straight up socialist, and the U.S. would be by themselves. I wouldn't say it's a legit fear, but it was. Uh, it was a. Fear let me that rephrase they, that. Like, let me rephrase that. I don't it mean right wing. I don't fear. mean legit. I mean like they legitimately feared it. Yes, they they legitimately believed. You know that. Um, that communists were sort of um, taking over the world. Um, the, the, not, not exactly like domino theory, but just this whole belief, you know, that the Soviet Union is just building stepping stones to a U.S. invasion type thing. <sighs> Jesus. Um, and so the Boland Amendment gets, um, which was uh, introduced earlier on um, by Edward P. Boland. Um, it is sort of added to the Defense Appropriations Bill of uh, 1983, um, and, and it, they keep adding on to it. Okay. Um, and this, they, they increasingly prohibit the CIA um, to, to sort of help the Contras. Um, and part of it, and part of it, the stipulations are that they can't spend any money um, for the quote unquote for the for the purpose of overthrowing the government of Nicaragua. How well known is it, like, that we were supporting these, like, was it was it a covert thing and then it became an open secret, or? Well, it, it, it had been, an, well, yeah, it had been an open secret, because, you know, Congress is talking about right. it. Like, like this is a, this is in the newspaper. Okay. Um, so, what the CIA does um, is that they change up um, their thing because the, that purpose of overthrowing the government of Nicaragua um, that's illegal so yeah so what they do um, so they they don't say they, they interpret it as saying that for them to directly do it um, the, it doesn't say anything about them you know helping the Contras like just just aiding these um, these these sort of revolutionaries. Um, so the actual operations in Nicaragua don't actually change. Um, and further restrictions keep being brought on in a second version of the Boland Amendment that tries to tie these down. Um, but um, the CIA keeps finding ways around it. Of course, it's the CIA. 
they're going to find a way to be like really shady and underhanded. And the the report that that Congress makes essentially states um, that the the Central Intelligence Agency um, is assisting the Contras. Um, that through sort of um, decisions of the president, which are officially called findings, um, and with funds appropriated from Congress, um, the CIA is arming, um, clothing, feeding, and supervising the Contras. Um, but despite all of this going on, the Contras failed to win popular support in Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, their, their, their military attacks and stuff are not gaining... Um, sort of support from the people, and they're also not winning support from people abroad. And they're also raping and pillaging as they go across a country, so damn, who would ever yes. thought that wouldn't be a, 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 a crowd-pleasing move? The the 1980s, though, are, are a pretty bad time in South and Central America in terms of, like, the, these sort of, like, Contra-type groups and governments waging, you know, genocidal wars against indigenous peoples, mm-hmm. um, you know, Pinochet is in charge in Chile. Oof. Like it is, it is not a good time yeah. in South America during this time. So a lot of this is sort of like swept under the rug of just like the current problems in South America, with people who are fans of Reagan and and also conservatives saying, you know, this is all just because of you know the communists and that all the things said about the Contras are, are you know sort of lies, you know, propaganda by by communists. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so this is going on. And eventually what happens is, and we'll get to this in the next episode, is that they need to step up their game to get funding because Congress is on to them and is sort of withholding funding. Uh-oh. And you'll you'll remember how I mentioned that Israel had set up its own sort of black fund little, that they it used from money. Slush funds. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they had their own slush fund from funding um, arms to Iran, um, and they're going to start doing that. And then eventually what happens with the downfall of um, the Iran-Contra affair. Whoa. So this is a very this is this is already a whole lot deeper than I, I thought it was. Um I'm, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very excited to get to, to part two so we can get to uh old Ollie oh, North. God <laughs> this dude is such a piece of shit. You are so excited. He's such a piece of shit. I love talking about the assholes. <laughs> I remember he used to have a history show on Fox News. Oh my God. He's so cool. Where it was like, it was like profiles and it wasn't profiles and courage because it's JFK's book, but it was it was something like that. <sighs> wow. Anyway, this uh, the lead up is very interesting. How it's like, I mean, all these things had to perfectly kind of fall into place like there just had to be just enough destabilization for like these things to happen for the united states to be like oh let's let's uh let's do some really 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 like grossly illegal shit um just in the name of protecting capitalism yeah like no other reason you gotta think how much of that goes on today too oh yeah i mean for sure well well the the Trump administration tried to do it in uh, Venezuela to to hilarious uh, to to hilarious level. The the actual like are you thing talking about that the brings... guys that got caught down there? Yeah, the the mercenaries. <laughs> that fucking Three Stooges shit. <laughs> the the actual like events that that sort of bring to light, you know, like Iran Contra going on, um, are, are very similar to that in a lot of regards. Re- 
why is it that these the biggest scandals get taken down with the dumbest shit? Like, what is it? Watergate got taken down by idiots in a fucking hotel that like couldn't like the dumbest shit takes all this stuff down. Because when you're, um, I don't even know. I don't want to say this analogy wrong, but I, I forget what it is. But I think uh, it's the analogy that the police use for criminals that the cops only have to be right once. Like the criminal has to be right 100 percent of the time, or else they get caught. Yeah. So it's the sa- it's yeah. the same basic analogy when it comes to political well, intrigues. Like you just have to fuck up one time, and then it's all over. You know. And uh, well, I think what you're looking for is it's the IRAs saying to yeah, they, Margaret Thatcher. Uh, I'm not familiar. Uh, I'm yeah, not familiar it's with it's it. used for a lot of things, but she but when she almost got killed in the one bombing of the hotel. Um, that that they said that in they their, told their release, her. they told yeah, her they, you have to be lucky every time. We only got to be lucky once. Yeah, but I don't think they originated that. But I've never heard of that. That's interesting. That's fucking classic IRA line, though. That 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 was as far as I know. That was the originating of that expression. I doubt they it. Sent that letter to her saying that. Yeah, I don't think so. I I mean, I would. It, it's definitely a an interesting usage of it, but I, I would. That'd be odd if that was the first time that was ever I'm, said. It's, I'm, I'm sure people have said it before. I doubt it was either the the police or the IRA right. who who invented it. But right, I've never yeah. heard of that before, though. Maggie Thatcher, though. Uh, I don't know a lot about Maggie Thatcher. We probably should do an episode on her, but I do know that Ooh. people do not like her. Like to that, I would have my to fa- be very drunk one of my f- because I have opinions. <laughs> one of I my have f- opinions. Well, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be drunk. Then <laughs> one of my favorite like YouTube videos is that older woman where they're like they're asking her about Maggie Thatcher, and she's like she just says some vile shit like. I wish I could dig her up and and spit in her face, like spit in her bones or something like that. She, yeah, she's like, she's like, she's in hell or whatever. Yeah. And they're she like, don't you think that's there. a little harsh? Oh, like, well, too bad. Yeah, she was, she was awful. Like, she, the thing that brought, her, the thing that removed her from power was they, they created what's called a poll tax, and it doesn't mean like a poll in terms of like what we think of as a poll tax. Mm-hmm. It was essentially a property tax. But the property tax was like it was like a flat tax, but it was set to a level that like a lower income person literally couldn't afford to own a home. It it was like you know how like conservatives go on about how like people are like 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 thrown out of their homes due to like taxes or whatever like sure. that. You know, which in the United States just means that they're they're too stupid to balance their budget or whatever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but in this case it was literally that the government had set a property tax label that somebody who lived in a literal castle paid the same amount of property tax that somebody who lived in like one of those like small like British like townhouses. <laughs> Listen, so she like, was so fucking just crazy. Like she got rid of free milk for kids. Oh, like, yeah, she she's a special kind of evil bitch. Oh my that I just, god! I you know, can't. I can't. Oh god, she's this. You know, yeah, we're gonna have to do this you know how they, at some point. Just, just, just oh, totally you know talk about. I want you, to, Steve. I really want you to hold that thought. I really want you to like pretend we're doing an episode on like I don't know Chester A. Arthur or something like that, <laughs> and then just spring it on Ryan that we're doing an episode about Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> oh my god! So you thought I we were going in with Chester bitch. A. Arthur, did you, son of a bitch? But we're talking about Maggie. Listen, listen, my 
my my depth Ow. of hatred is she allowed <laughs> Bobby Sands to fucking die in prison on a hunger strike saying, hey, you know, if, if suicide is what they want, suicide is what they're going to... Like, oh, God, she's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, she's so nasty. So are we... We gotta do another one though. That's like we tell Ryan it's something he wants to do, like the bucket, <laughs> and then and then we and then we drop on him at the last second that it's off the bucket and it's something else. Like like when parents tell their kids, you know, we're going to Disney, and then they go into the dentist. That's what we should, hey, Ryan. We're gonna do an episode of War of the Bucket. <laughs> that's hey, what... by the way, actually, we're doing an episode on Margaret Thatcher. That's what we should do for my brother because he's always asking us to do an episode of Winston Churchill. He's he's just mentioned it so many times. We should do an episode. I will on like. Um, Charlie Chaplin, and like thirty minutes into it, be like, "Hey Matt, guess what we're talking about now?" <laughs> Winston. It it has to be like that old Jimmy Kimmel bit with uh, Matt Damon. Oh yeah, where he hates Matt Damon. Would, yeah, where he would like he would say that like Matt Damon would be on the show. And then he'd like time. bring out Matt Damon at like the literal like last like. Anyway, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but he did it like twenty times. So we are, yeah. we're gonna move to episode two now. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll All see right. you guys next time to finish off the Iran Contra affair. Check us out on Facebook. Of course, you already probably have if you're listening to this. <laughs> bye. Subscribe, like and subscribe. <laughs> and bye. See you next time. Later. <laughs>